The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Etruria and Trechonitis, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the, words, in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Y'all can be seated. So today, this second Sunday of Advent, is one where we always talk about John the Baptist. We always hear these words, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And this is one of those years where, where two words really struck me about this lesson. The, the first word was wilderness. Some of the reason that wilderness really struck me this year is because of what my own personal journey has been this year. And in February, I started in a new call in the Senate office, and I was really excited about it. And at that time, what I wasn't expecting, as I, but I should have been expecting it, because my first Sunday out of the parish was the first Sunday of Lent. And Lent is always one of those times of deep reflection and trial. What I wasn't expecting was how much I was going to mourn and miss my congregation. I, I found that that first Sunday I was out of the congregation visiting my home congregation where I grew up, Christus Victor in Columbia, that I had no idea what to do with myself as I sat with my wife. Every time the part where the pastor did something, I was waiting to get up. When, when the sermon came, I realized I'm not preaching this week, and not just because I'm on vacation, but because I don't have a place to preach this week. It was the first time since 2006 that I hadn't had a place where I was going to preach that week when I, when I wasn't on vacation. And so I, I went to the Wednesday night service and realized as we sang Hold an Evening Prayer and I was waiting to get up and I realized that I wasn't going to get up, that I was still anxious. And I didn't have anywhere that I was scheduled to preach or help lead worship or do anything the entire six weeks or however many Sundays there are, 40 days. It felt, it, felt like about, it felt like about three months is what it really felt like. And I was in this wilderness. A friend of mine said, it sounds like you're giving up Lent for Lent. And it was a really apt description because I was, I was doing exciting things. It wasn't as if I wasn't doing things that, that were neat. I was getting to go around the synod and meet pastors I'd never met before and meet congregations I'd never met before. We had our winter retreats, which are the weekend youth events that we have in January, February, March. We were, I was busy, and I was running, and I was doing all these amazing things, but I was in a spiritual wasteland, a spiritual wilderness, just yearning for a place where I felt like I belonged. And it was the strangest feeling for me, not because I don't struggle, but because I am so used to being 
in, in the church where I feel like I have a place. That being in a time in my life where I, in some ways, was more connected to the church than I've ever been before, I also just felt like I was out of place, wandering, wondering, waiting, hoping for that time when I would figure out what home felt like again. So when we joined Reformation in Columbia on Palm Sunday, and I still hadn't preached a word, and I was still feeling dry, but I was starting to feel like I was settling a little bit, then Good Friday came, and my pastor called me and said, Eric, I'm sick, and I can't preach tonight. Can you lead the service? Oh, yeah, I can do that. And he said, now, I realize that you haven't had any time to, to prepare. If you don't want to preach, then you can skip the sermon. I said, it's Good Friday. Jesus is being crucified. I think I'll find something to talk about. And you have never heard anyone preach a more enthusiastic Good Friday sermon in your life. And, and the reason I'm sharing this story is because when we talk about the wilderness, when we talk about those dry, broken places, those places where it feels like the earth is salted and fallow and nothing can ever grow there again, those are the times in our lives where we realize some really important things about ourselves, especially those of us who tend to be competent, those of us who tend to have an idea about what to do, those of us who are able to kind of make things up as we go along. I was talking to the pastor this morning and saying, you know, one of the things I'm learning at 38 is that there never is that magical time where you really understand what life is about, where you always know the right thing to do. I never realized how much of life was really just making it up as you go along and, and hoping against hope that you're making a decision that's good. But being in the wilderness robs us of this illusion that we have of control. It robs us of this illusion that we have that we're in charge of things and reminds us very quickly just how fragile our identity, our, our life, our, our jobs, our families, and everything that we have in our lives that give us stability really are. It's part of the beauty that they're fragile because it means that we have to be gentle with them and we have to be careful with them and we have to be intentional about feeding them and nourishing them. But when we're going through those times of transition and wilderness, we rely on the presence and power of God because we realize all of a sudden that all of our control was really just an illusion. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness is the voice of one who's able to speak from a place of great honesty about what life is really about. I think this is one of the reasons that the voice of John appealed to people and why people gathered to hear him from all over the place. And we're not talking about a few people. We are talking about crowds and throngs. And I think about the people in my life who are the people that I have just clamored to hear, that I was willing to travel 100 miles to hear. And they are the people who spoke to my heart because they were speaking from a place of authenticity. Advent is a time when we learn to speak the language of our faith from a place that is true. Because we are waiting on the God who comes on his own terms, not our terms. The other word that sticks out in my mind is the word repent. And a lot of times when I hear the word repent, it's, I don't so much hear it as much as I see it on this van that drives through Columbia that has the word repent. Because God hates this list of 30 people specifically, but all the rest of y'all are in trouble too. Right? Have y'all seen vans like this before? And so we have this really unhealthy relationship with, with the word repent and the idea of repentance. We have this idea that 
Repent means that God is angry and we better, we better change our ways. We have this idea that God is waiting to beat us down and club us. Repent, a lot of times, brings the image that if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? This idea that God is this passive-aggressive kind of God who's just waiting to toss us down. And in any other kind of relationship that we had in our lives, we would call that abusive. So, so what is repent? How do we reclaim this word during Advent? Repent simply means turn around. Turn aside from the things that, that we hold as our own power and turn toward the power of God. Turn aside from the illusion that we're in control and turn toward the reality that God is in control. Turn away from the illusion that we are holy and righteous on our own and I can't be the only one who, who usually assumes that I've, I've got about the best ideas of anyone in the world and turn toward the reality that God's righteousness is our righteousness and that we don't necessarily always hold any of it on our own. Repent is not a word of condemnation. Repent is a word of invitation, inviting us to turn away from our brokenness and our shallowness, to turn away from those places in our lives that are dried out and dead and broken and turn toward the abundance and hope and new life that God can plant in the midst of our brokenness. Repent is to turn away from the illusion, from, from, the, from the false idea that my identity comes from my job, that my identity comes from whether I'm able to preach on Sunday or not, that my identity comes from the things that I'm able to do for my family or provide for my family or all my competence or all those other things and turn toward the, the reality that our identity is rooted not in the things that we do, but rooted in the waters of baptism through what God is working in us. And our identity is, is rooted in the identity that God gives us through these waters of baptism as beloved children, as people who are being redeemed, as people who are waiting on the fullness of God, as people who recognize daily that God is already here among us, and we have the gift and the opportunity to participate in the kingdom that God is already proclaiming here among us now in ways like family promise, where our church building becomes a home, and and things like what we did yesterday at Club 345 with the little third, fourth, and fifth graders, where kids from around the synod came together for the first time in their lives and realized that there are other Lutherans in, in South Carolina other than them, and that we are a community together too, and there's value in that community. And in all the different ways that we are able to hear and answer the call of God, rooted in that identity of baptism, we recognize during this Advent season of hope and of waiting and becoming that what God is working in us is something that dispels our illusion of control and reveals the reality of God's control and God's presence and God's glory amongst us. It's an amazing message. It's a humbling message. And if you're anything like me, you don't necessarily do very well with humility. But it's a message that this year I know that I need for my heart to remind me that 
even though I, I am pretty good at a lot of things, and even though there are a lot of ways that I'm a pretty good guy, the, the real goodness and the real identity that I have isn't in what I have, but what I'm given through the presence and the glory of God that's worked through me and in me and with me, through us and in us and with us, that we share not only in this place, but that we share with the world as we go out to proclaim that God is not only coming, but God is here. And as we leave this place and we go out to do the ministry of our lives, the ministry of our work, the ministry of our families, the ministry of our play, the ministry of the communities that we're a part of, the Advent question for us is when we go out into the places where, where we discover the wildernesses that people are living in, how is it that we are that voice crying out for them to make straight the pathways of God with the good news that they're not in control either? How do we let that light and hope and new life of God shine through our thoughts, words, and deeds so that the world is able to see it and that the world can't contain it. Amen.